Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Thursday morning, September 29th, 2022, 7 a.m. here in Spotswood, Virginia. And let me just start by saying that I have no clue what happened yesterday. You want to know the worst part? For you, it ended, the devotional ended at eight minutes flat. For me, it didn't end until 15 minutes flat. And so I'm just going along, and then all of a sudden I'm looking at a white screen. So I guess that uh, Boo the Cat got an extra seven minutes that you guys didn't get yesterday. Again, I have no clue what's happening. I am trying to do something different today. I, again, I have no clue. Y'all know about the problems that we had last week with this. If this persists, then uh, and if it happens again today, the next week I will try using the, uh, the Mevo camera that I actually use on Sunday mornings. And then, I don't know, I don't know. I'm at the mercy of Facebook. For those of you that are on Sermon Audio, um, I come to you via Facebook Live. I don't know why it worked perfectly fine on Wednesday. Um, and yet yesterday it stopped me, but hey, that's just the way it is. Again, write your Congressman, write Elon Musk, tell him to get us some some decent email. I, did ha I do have an update from Starlink. I got a message saying that full service would be available in my area come 2023, mid-2023. Of course, that's what they said about mid-2021, mid-2022, and now they're saying mid-2023. But they will sell me a service for the exact same price where I have much slower internet, which is like, thanks, guys. I appreciate you so much. Anyway, um, here we are. I I'm trying not to be salty about all this stuff, but we'll... Uh, we will press on and I appreciate your patience very much. I know between my being out of town and not being able to connect and then equipment not cooperating is very frustrating, but I appreciate your uh, your faithfulness and your loyalty and, and that is not lost on me in the slightest bit. You have no idea how much I'm encouraged by your presence here and by the opportunity to have this time with you. Now, where we were yesterday was in John chapter 11. We had just gotten started. In fact, I think that we only made it through the first three verses, talking about who Mary and Martha and Lazarus were. We talked about the fact that Jesus was close to this family. We talked about Mary and, and this great sacrifice she had made for the Lord, um, pouring out this perfume on his feet, right, that is referenced there in 11 verse 2 of, of John's gospel. Um, a lot of times that type of perfume would have been a dowry, um, in other words, something to seal her own marriage contract. She poured out her future on Jesus. She wiped Jesus's feet with her hair. Um, you know, a, a woman's hair, even to this day, 2000 years later in this part of the world, a woman's hair is her glory, typically reserved for her husband's eyes alone. Yet she, uh, she washed Jesus's feet with her glory, right? Poured out her future, washed him with her glory. Um, that shows the type of devotion that Mary had. And again, Jesus is very close to this family. So close, in fact, that verse 3 says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And he knew exactly who it was. Now, what is the origin behind this? How, we really don't know. There are all sorts of theories about this. But we really don't know why Jesus is so close to them. But y'all, realize 
the lifestyle that Jesus lived, it was transient, right? He was here one day. He was in another place the next day. Um, as he said of himself, birds have, uh, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man not, has not a place to lay his head. So the fact that he's this close to them is significant. Okay, in some ways, this is one of the few real glimpses of Jesus's humanity that is really on display here. And so we would do very well to pay attention to what's happening. Now, let me pray and get this show on the road in case we get cut off again. Father, we thank you for this time, and we pray that technology would cooperate, that we wouldn't have any issues. Please bless us in it, that we would understand your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we would see the wonder and the amazement of his glory. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so John chapter 11, verse 4 is where we're picking up. It says, when he heard this, just like the therefore, we ask what the therefore is there for. When he heard that the one that he loved was sick and he knew it was Lazarus. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, this should sound familiar to us. I don't know if... if if the devotional caught this portion yesterday, but this should sound familiar to us. Not exactly the same. At the start of chapter nine, Jesus and his disciples are going along. They see the man that was born blind. His disciples asked if it was his parents or him that sinned. And then in John nine, three, Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. All right. Fast forward to where we pick up today, and what we find is, is that Jesus says something very similar, right? He says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, y'all, that's the second time here in two chapters. Well, really three, I guess, technically, but it's the second time in this portion of John that Jesus is very clear about something. And again, what we talked about with chapter 9. Uh, there is a popular belief out there that every affliction is the result of is the result of, of judgment from God, right? And there are some that live in a perpetual fear of choosing the wrong thing and and not following God's will, making God angry. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't seek God's will. Please understand me. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be our chief desire to follow God. However. Everything that happens to us in this life is not the result of something that we did at some point in time. When terrible things happen, it's not God looking down all the time and smiting you for it. He's your father. He loves you. Now, do we face consequences? Yes. Not like we deserve, but we face them. Does the Lord lovingly discipline us? Yes, absolutely. But y'all, Every hardship that comes your way is not God smiting you for something. As it was with the man born blind, Jesus said why he was born blind, that he was born blind uh, so that God's glory might be shown. Jesus says here why this is happening with Lazarus. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified to us to, through it. Jesus says the whole purpose of what is going on here right there. And it's important to remember that because, y'all, this shows us the character of God. And it shows us that often the afflictions that we face in life, while everything bad that happens ultimately is the result of sin, not necessarily yours, but everything bad that happens is the result of sin and living in a fallen world. Despite that, 
many times the Lord brings affliction into our life, difficulty into our life, so that we would turn to him and trust in him. Remember, y'all, what God is doing for us. He's preparing us for heaven. Do you realize that? That a lot of things that happen, God is preparing us for heaven. He's preparing us for an eternity with him. And so, yes, affliction is going to come so that our faith can grow. We have to be shaped here so that we'll fit in up there. And I'm trying to remember the book that this was used as an example. And it might have been something, I think it was Billy Graham. In one of his books, and I wish I could remember the illustration, he talked about walking by a church that was being built and there was a brick mason down at the bottom and he was working on bricks, shaping them up. And he saw a guy way up on the scaffold at the top of the church, right? And this guy was shaping bricks down at the bottom and then sending them on a pulley cart up to the guy at the top. And he said, what are you doing? And the guy said, I'm shaping them down here so that they will fit in up there. And I think that's beautiful imagery of what the Lord is doing with us right now. It's what the Lord was doing with Lazarus. The Lord was also creating a scenario, a situation, so that he would be glorified in it and that Jesus would be glorified in it. So that's what's going on here. And then we find out, verse 5, we found out in verse 3 that Jesus, that, that Lazarus is the one that Jesus loved. We find out in verse 5, it's reiterated, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, that's curious. Why does the Lord stay two more days? There's an earthly reason for it that we're going to see in just a second here. Um, uh, one of them is what's waiting for him in Jerusalem. He knows the people want to kill him. Is he staying out of fear? No. It could be all about timing, that, that they're ready to kill him right then and there. And it could be that this is about the Lord's timing. It could be that he waits two more days, quite frankly, um, so, that, so that the full amount of time can be reached for Lazarus. By the time he does get there, we know that he's been dead four days. Right. Um, so it could be that that Jesus wants to wait until he's been dead and in the tomb for four days before he gets there. Y'all, this is one of those things that we say this is the Lord's business. But what we dare not do is say, wait a minute. I thought Jesus loved them. If he loved them, he would have gone immediately. No, 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 no. We do not have that right. It's like Calvin said, where God closes his holy mouth, I shall desist from inquiry. In other, words, in other words, where God shuts his holy mouth, we need to shut ours. You hear me? We can contemplate things, we can theorize things, but Jesus waited for the purpose, I believe, of God's timing. But again, there is this other purpose. Verse 7, then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? <laughs> you don't have to be a Bible scholar to read what's going on here. They said to him, hold the phone, Jesus. You want to go to Bethany, right? We're going to find out how close Bethany is to Jerusalem. They're saying, you want to go to Bethany, and uh, you know that they want to kill you there, right? In fact, 
we just left there at the end of chapter 10, we find out in verse 40, then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing. We find out in verse 42, and in that place, many people believed in Jesus. Now his disciples are saying to him, hold on, we can't go back there. They just tried to kill you there. You, you want to go back? And then Jesus makes a very curious reply. Verse 9, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbled, for he has no light. Now, what in the world is Jesus talking about here? You know, I'm sure his disciples would have had this look like, what? what? What's going on here, Jesus? What? what? Yeah. Is Jesus talking about just daylight versus darkness outside and literally not tripping up? No, y'all. He's referencing the fact that he's the light of the world and that nobody's going to extinguish him. That's what he's doing here. He's saying we're walking in the light. Um, this is John. Read First John sometime where John talks about walking in the light, right? Those who walk in the light walk with the Lord. That's what Jesus is really, this cryptic statement that he makes here about walking in the light and stumbling, that's what that's really all about. Jesus is just pointing to the nature of who he is. And then as a follow-up, verse 11, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Oh, my goodness. This one statement alone, it's one of the most powerful, I think, in the New Testament. As he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. He's talking, of course, about death. We know that because of what we're about to read here. But just that sentiment, I am going there to wake him up. You know, hearing this from the Lord's mouth here, reading this, it's the word of God, and so it's all breathed out by God. But knowing that Jesus said this, doesn't this hearken to what Jesus has done for you, if you know him. You know, there was a time that Jesus said, I'm going to wake, fill in the blank up. I'm, I'm going to wake him up. I'm going to wake her up. It's time um, for this person to be justified, for this person um, to come to me, and I'm going to go get him. But y'all, this points to what Jesus is going to do for all those that have died in Christ, right? The dead in Christ shall rise first. This points to the resurrection at the end of time. When Jesus returns, the dead in Christ shall rise. You know, that's how this thing works. When you die, um, as we read, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. However, our hope is in the resurrection of the body. And it's when Jesus returns that though our spirit will immediately go to heaven when we die, it's when Jesus returns that we will receive our glorified body. And Y'all, that, that concept that Jesus has just said here, it is beautiful as it relates to Lazarus, but it is so powerful as it relates to you and me, isn't it? That the time is coming where he's going to come and get us. Or what would be much more preferable, in my opinion, um, is that the, the Lord would come back first. Yes, the dead in Christ will rise, but the way this works is either Jesus is going to call you home or he's going to come and get you one way or the other doesn't matter which. And you're not going to be disappointed either way, too, I should throw in there. But what a powerful statement this is. Our friend Lazarus has, has fallen asleep. 
but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, verse 12, his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Aren't the disciples so simple sometimes? They think, oh, wow, yeah, he's, he's not sick anymore. He's falling asleep. You know, good sleep is the best medicine. He'll wake up and he'll be fit as a fiddle. Now we don't have to go and risk our lives. Verse 13, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Verse 14, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Y'all, Thomas gets a bad rap. He's just the one that's vocal. Really, his statements are representative of the rest of the disciples. But do you get the paradigm going on here? Jesus says he's falling asleep. I'm going to go wake him up. They think that he's physically talking about sleep. Jesus makes it very clear that he's dead. But then Jesus says, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Now, right there, he tells us the purpose of what he's about to do. Right there, he reveals what this is really all about. That this is about belief. Y'all, this is where we're going to stop for today. Thomas's reaction to that, there's lots of different ways to read it. We do not know what's in his heart here. You know, the idea, let us go, that we may die with him. That could be a, a statement of resignation, um, where he's resigned to the fact that maybe this Jesus isn't who I thought he was. You know, Jesus has done some amazing things, but at this point, he, maybe Thomas is the one that says this because he's like, look, <clears throat> healing a man that was born blind is one thing, as if it's simple, <laughs> right? Miraculous. Healing a man that's born blind is one thing, but what can you do with a dead man? What can you do with a dead man? Well, y'all, you can do a lot with a dead man. You can take a man with a heart of stone and he can be given a heart of flesh. Just like you can take a blind man who has scales over his eyes and the Lord can remove those scales. You see, following Christ is about being alive. Following Christ is about being changed. Following Christ is about the conviction of heart and also the renewed passion and desire to trust in him. You see, Thomas missed it here. Was he saying this out of sarcasm? Was he saying this out of dread? We don't know. Not really. We just don't. But it doesn't really matter why he's saying what he's saying or which one it is. We know it's not good for him to have this attitude of, all right, well, fine, let's go so that we can die too. Maybe he's just talking about what's awaiting them in Judea, that he thinks they're going to be killed for going with Jesus. Eventually he would. But nevertheless, putting all of that aside, this statement that Jesus makes in verse 14, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Y'all, what Jesus has said there, just like when he said, I'm going there to wake him up, this has so many different meanings. In the context of this, this account, this narrative, it means that Jesus is going there. Right? That's what it means. And he's saying, I'm glad that he's died so that you may believe. But this concept applies to so much. It also applies to what you're facing today, right now. And if you're not facing anything, it applies to what you have faced in the past. If you can't think of anything, it's, it's applying to what you are going to face in the future. You see, every time we face adversity, 
every time we go through a trial, every time we face heartbreaking disappointment and loss, every single one of those times is the same sort of opportunity that Jesus is talking about right here. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. I don't know what you're going through. I don't even know everybody that's going to be on here. Um, lots and lots of people listen to these, and I don't know who you are. I know who some of you are, but I, I, I find out about people that listen to these, that watch these. I do not know what you are facing, and I'm not making light of it. And if you're a victim, I'm not excusing it. But what I am saying is this. What you are going through, by default, is an opportunity for you to trust in the Lord to see his goodness, to experience his power, to remember that he is able to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine, and to remember that this life is not all there is. But instead, that sometimes the difficulties we face in this life serve to make heaven all the sweeter. And whatever it is, it's okay. The Lord is working. He has not abandoned you, just like he didn't abandon Lazarus. Now, as we're going to see next week, when he gets there, there's some confusion over this. Needlessly so. Jesus was coming, and he was coming to wake him up. Jesus is coming for you, too, sooner or later. I pray it's sooner. But even if it is later, it's going to be okay. Not because of you, not because of me, not because of our strength but because of his strength. Remember these things. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and I uh, thank you that the technology seemingly has worked. If not, I've been blissfully unaware, but nevertheless, um, we thank you that you are always working, that you are always there, that you give us opportunities to trust in you, and oh Lord, that we would, no matter what it is, help us to turn to you again and again, and if there are any here that don't know, you help them to place their trust in you, ultimately speaking, to turn their lives over to you and ask you to be Lord of their life, that they would believe, that they would trust, that they would receive these promises as well. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Let me go ahead and say we had an outing plan for youth group and Little Lamb Sunday afternoon. Looks like the remnants of this hurricane are going to be moving through. I know that there are people in Florida that listen to this. I hope that you all are doing okay. And I've heard that a lot, a lot of people are without power. So we need to be in prayer for, uh, for hurricane victims down there and elsewhere. But nevertheless, um, thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, again, we will be back Sunday morning and then again on Monday morning at 7 a.m. I see Christine, good morning. And there's Becky and Monica and Rose and Alice and Brother Kyle. Good morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's Elizabeth and the other Becky. And there's Wayne and amen indeed, Denise. Thank you all so much. Again, hopefully we will see you soon. Until then, be careful in all this weather out there.